Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret's just-arrived collection of swim and other sun-ready silhouettes. Pack your bags with new styles from the Very Sexy Collection, like the made-to-be-seen Very Sexy push-up bra, in on-trend hues like green and citron and black shine. Rewind to the future with the VS Archives Swim Collection, inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. Plus, mix and match with their wide range of bikini tops and bottoms to find your dream suit. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Inventing Anna, the official podcast, is a production of Shondaland Audio in partnership with iHeartRadio. Welcome to Inventing Anna, the official podcast, your exclusive look inside the making of the Shondaland series on Netflix. I'm your host, Stacey Wilson Hunt. And today I'm happy to share a particularly profound conversation I had with actor Alexis Floyd about her role as Anna's ride or die, Neff Davis. We talk about what it was like to have the real Neff on set during production, as well as some of the show moments that have come to mean the most to Alexis herself. Hi, Alexis. It's so nice to have you here. Congratulations on the show. Thank you so much. Such a privilege, really. It's changed my life. Thank you. So before we talk about Inventing Anna, I would actually love to know more about what your life was like in New York before the series. And I know there are some sort of thematic crossovers between you and Neff. So tell me a little bit about that. Yes, 100%. So I was actually working at a front desk myself for a yoga studio in the Chelsea area of Manhattan. So I was very familiar with that balance of, you know, hi, how are you? Above the desk, joy, cheer. And then below the desk, you're texting your mom, you're putting out a fire, you're trying to book a flight. (laughs) Um, I like that idea of like above the desk and below the desk, like two worlds, right? Two worlds, two worlds. And, And one is sort of constructed to be a land of endless possibilities and I can do anything for you and it's no skin off my back. And then below the surface, you know, the storm that you are trying to quiet. <laughs> <laughs> I've had those jobs too. It's it's not an easy thing to do. Not an easy thing to do. It takes a lot of energy. And, you know, that's part of what I also connected with Neff about is then you want to have energy at the end of your day to pour into your art to focus on your dreams, to be creative. And sometimes you come home and the most creating you can do is ordering pizza. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And on the subject of dreams, what were your dreams at that point? I definitely was trying to make a transition into the film and television world in a more sort of sustainable place. Uh, I had the privilege of being on The Bold Type, which was a freeform show. Bold Type fans, congrats (laughs) on that. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. And it and it lit the dream alive in a really vibrant way um, in terms of knowing that I will always have a home in theater and want to come home to it as often as I can. And I just found a different sort of engagement with film that I hadn't had a chance to explore much in my life previous to the show. 
I just loved the environment and the pace. I loved the intimacy of a camera. I loved the collaborative nature of all of these departments, problem solving together. And it just felt so inherently kind of creative in this like immediate, really buzzy way. And you're also a musician, too. I am, yes. Trying to find a balance of all of that, sort of like honing in on my creative language and the avenues that I want to use to to speak was all on my mind at the time that I was cleaning mats and checking people into class. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have to say, I've always felt for anyone who has to clean those yoga mats after class. <laughs> oh, it's not a joke. Yes. And the smells. And, you know, it's not their fault. Like, that's me when I get out of class, too. But, ooh, <laughs> it's deep. Um. <laughs> <laughs> that is so true. So take me back to then when you first found out about Inventing Anna, the series, and how you threw your hat in the ring to have a part in the show specifically to play Neff. Yes. So I received the script. They were looking at me for Neff. And the first thing I did was sort of just Google the Anna Delvey universe because I hadn't come across the article previously to reading the script. Okay. So you were kind of coming into this cold. I was, yes. Okay. Which isn't to my full surprise because I'm, I'm a little bit of a social media recluse. Um, <laughs> By the way, not always a bad thing, I think. No, no, not always. Um, healthy for me, largely. So, you know, and all you have to do is type Anna Duh into Google, and it's Delby Sork in New York. <laughs> like, it just, right. it was endless upon impact, which was really exciting. And then the first piece I really dove into was the main source material of the piece, the Cut article. And what's really intriguing about that for me specifically as I'm, trying to, you know, start to wade into Neff's waters is she's kind of our narrator. She's our first eyes into the story. She's the first person that we see in Anna's life who is looking at her and taking in her energy. She's kind of our primary source from the beginning. So that was really exciting for me. And that in reading the script, Shonda was celebrating that as well, that she's kind of our home base. She's where we check back in with ourselves and where we settle when there's a moment that the glitter storm of the show, you know, starts to subside and and we're New Yorkers ourselves and we're in that hustle and we have our own sort of ambitions and like that centerpiece, I think Neff is like largely responsible for in this narrative. No, it's a great point. And this idea too that we come back to with the show is the the protagonist whom we can't trust. Right. And Neff is the person actually in the space who we trust first. I think so. And then, you know, as we learn more about Anna, we still find ourselves able to come home to her and, and we know where her loyalty is really grounded. So that was exciting. And then I made the tape and uh, my friend who I taped with was not enthusiastic about it. And I was like, oh. <laughs> enthusiastic about the project or your performance in the tape? I think my performance, if I'm being honest, Oh, <laughs> which, you know, you never know. You just never know. And I was going in for a lot of work at the time. And who knows? Two weeks later, I got a call from my managers and they said, Shonda doesn't need to see any more. She just wants to sit down with you. She's never seen your work before and, and hasn't had a chance to engage with you as an artist. And so that's what we did. We got on Zoom we just got to know each other a little bit. And it was really thrilling to have this kind of dramaturgical character study discussion with Shonda and Betsy, who are just two of the most brilliant women. Betsy Bears, yes, she's great. Really special, yes. And the two of them have 
a really strong collaboration and friendship. They've built so many of our greatest storytelling worlds in television together. They are a power duo. A power (laughs) duo can do anything, will do everything. And tell me, from that first Zoom chat with Betsy and Shonda, what did you most take away from the way they envisioned the series and specifically envisioned Neff? Well, they broke down for me that they were going to have each episode center on a different character in the Anna Delvey Marvel universe, if you will. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Which I thought was brilliant because then we're seeing all of these different perspectives from all sorts of like New York culture points who all found something intriguing, fascinating, scary, you know, enticing about Anna Delvey. And it just helps us build this momentous energy around this mysterious woman. I just thought that was so intelligent. And with Neff specifically, I mean, I remember one of the first things Shonda said to me so simply was, I love this woman. And I could hear it in her voice. You know, in the character description, she describes her as Barack Obama meets Beyonce. (laughs) Wow, that's a tall order, Alexis. (laughs) (laughs) Who are you telling me? But also an honor. And I mean, what an exciting space to take up. And it also, again, it just spoke to this kind of like, you can trust this woman. This woman is a hard worker. She's studied of her own craft. She has her own things to say. And she wants to make a splash on the scene just as much as Anna does, which was exciting, too. I knew I was going to be working with an artist, Neff herself, and someone who loves and is passionate about her own voice as a storyteller, which was an exciting place to come into this. Absolutely. And you did have access to the real Neff. And I'd love to know at what point during this process you met her and what were your impressions of her? Yes, it was actually the first thing I did. I I reached out to her on Instagram. She was immediately responsive and excited, which, you know, prompted a huge (laughs) exhale. (laughs) And of course, I love that you first met via Instagram. That's very Neff, right? Very Anna. Oh, yes. That is like a huge territory where it went down between the two of them. And Neff has a beautiful Instagram herself, this Film Colors Instagram. She does all this educational work and film theory. She's just so impressive to me. Um, And that was clear upon meeting her as well. We had dinner actually at a Moroccan restaurant in Brooklyn. We found out we lived 20 minutes walking from each other. Oh, wow. That's great. Just another, you know, point of synergy. And she was so generous that first night. We, We spent truly three and a half hours together. And she let me record a little bit just for the two of us. But I was just really struck by her energy, that Barack-Beyonce intersection. It it does (laughs) live in her. By the way, did she know about how Shonda had described this character? She must have felt pretty good about herself to hear it described it. I I brought it up at dinner. (laughs) (laughs) And I know it felt good. And I know it felt good. But also, she's one of those people who owns that. I think she really owns the space she takes up. Her worth is so inherent in her, and it's something she's worked really hard to build and keep and protect, despite working, you know, in the service industry while balancing her dreams. And I think that she knows the artist that she is. She knows the story she has to tell, and it keeps her strong. So it was really beautiful to see this young woman take up this space and be excited to share her story with the world and feel like Shonda was the woman to do it and have that trust. It was special. 
Yeah, and it's difficult with these true stories. You know, you don't want to rely on the real people for permission necessarily. And much like Jessica experiences as a journalist, you don't want to hurt people with telling this story. You want them to feel comfortable with how someone like Sean is going to own it and then translate it for TV. It's true. And, you know, you know in in the hands of Shonda, you're going to get a well-rounded, very taken-care-of character who experiences the entire spectrum of the human condition and, and emotional space. So I, I had that as well, knowing that the script was taking good care of her, but I wanted to make sure I did my job too. I love that. It seems like the perfect environment to tell a, a good story, right? That's right. That's Shonda. <laughs> Shonda land, okay? <laughs> There's a land for a reason. It's a magical place where good stories are told. Okay, amen. <laughs> so I would love to know, what version of Anna do we see through Neff? And what does that version ultimately reveal about Neff herself. Yes, especially because Anna is pretty calculating in terms of which Anna she's showing to whom. So what I think is special about their relationship is I think Anna is artist Anna with Neff. And of course, the entrepreneurial energy is there. But first and foremost, she's the Anna who loves wearing black and knows exactly why on an emotional level. You know, she's the Anna who wants 281 Park because she loves the architecture. She loves the way the light comes in. She loves the floor plan. She's seeing the dream. She can taste the food already. She's hearing the music. She wants Neff to maybe find the DJ for their opening night. Like, she can dream with Neff. And they both have this kind of dream energy that they get to bubble in and enjoy with one another. And it confirms that this thing that is not yet real, that people are telling them might not ever be real, is real in a part of them. And they can share the reality of their dreams together. And I think that sort of like artist communal space that they share is, is unique in their friendship. And that's beautifully said. And, and the word that comes up for me a lot between them and their rapport is curation. I think they each have this love of curation, whether it's a space, a look, music, experiential, in the sense that when someone walks into the lobby of Neff's hotel, every need that that person has wants to be met in that moment. And I feel like Anna shares that. It's so true. And it's the extra step of, you know, honoring what the space is asking them to do and then making their own mark, you know, like, Neff has to wear a uniform every day, but she chooses her pin. She chooses her hair accessories. She maybe puts on a red lip. You know, maybe she does a press out. Maybe she lets her curls out. But these are all decisions she makes to say, yes, I I am here and I'm a part of this experience and I am very good at my job. But there's also something about me that is creative and that can curate this experience because of the knowledge I have. And Anna used the power of that same, that display to move into rooms and seem impressively young, but also incredibly intelligent. And like that was all done with this sort of visual communication that they were both very experienced in. I have to say, I love the uniform. It's one of my favorite outfits in the show. She looks so chic. <laughs> like Lynn Paolo can even make a uniform fly. The, the costume designer, Lynn Paolo, mm-hmm. famously also did Scandal and How to Get Away with Murder. And um, she just, she speaks clothing like it's champagne. I can't explain it. She's just yeah. one of a kind. They're characters unto themselves, all of her creations. That's it. And they do so much of the work for you. I mean, you put it on and and I'm 
75% neff already for the day, you know? <laughs> and what do you think Anna, in those early days, picks up or learns from Neff? Because she seems so intrigued by her, and, and not only as a friend, but I think she almost is sort of like learning from her from that first moment they meet. I think that's right. Well, on a really practical level, you know, Neff is also the person who is getting her on these exclusive lists. She's truly handing Anna the keys to the kingdom of New York. So Neff is doing a lot of educating in terms of spaces, you know, because so much of New York is kind of hidden away. Like there are so many layers to the city and you can think you're walking through a barbershop and then you look in the back and there's another door and then you like knock three times and a bouncer opens it and you walk in and you're in like a neon futuristic club. So Neff knows the doors behind the doors behind the doors that you can't necessarily Google, but you just have to know from having been a veteran of the city. And Neff is meeting Anna when she's been living here about 10 years. And she's working, as she describes it, in the people business. So she knows these cues, you know, inside and out. At 12 George, if you're a guest and we want to keep you happy, it's my job to get you on the right database. If you're on the right database... You'll receive every invite. You'll enter every VIP entrance. You'll always get a ticket, always get a table. And I got Anna's name on some of the most exclusive databases. So Anna's learning a little bit of the walk, the posture, and she's really getting the behind-the-scenes tour through Neff. And then in return for that, not only is she getting these tips, but she's saying, come with me. Come be at this party with me. You deserve to be here. I see it in your art. I, I see it in your spirit. They really saw each other. It was, it's a really intimate friendship that they had. It's so true. And, and I love the idea of the gatekeepers as the people with all the power. We see that in Hollywood. You know, if you want the dish, you have to be nice to assistants, right? Never be mean to the people who are the gatekeepers to the power players. And I think that's something that Neff knew from day one because she herself is that person. Exactly. And and there's so much, I think she has so much pent-up energy from having to, like, stay cool from the way that she was misjudged, misunderstood, mistreated in the workspace, but also just in the space of the city, in the space of this world. And being seen by Anna was hugely validating. And, and then the fact that Anna said, not just open the door for me, but walk through it with me, it was life-changing. Okay, we're taking a short break. Stay tuned. Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret. Pack your bags with just-arrived swim, cover-ups, corset tops, and other sexy silhouettes. When the sun goes down, opt for bold and blingy styles, like the made-to-be-seen Very Sexy Push-Up Bra from the Very Sexy Collection, in on-trend hues like Black Shine, Green, and Citron. For a glam statement, pair them with your favorite jeans and bring the heat. Because life is better in a bikini. Rewind to the future with the VS Archive Swim Collection inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. For endless out-of-office options, mix and match with Victoria's Secret's wide range of bikini tops and bottoms that offer you every type of coverage, from full to cheeky to minimal. And now, in this season's must-have shades and patterns, add the finishing touch with the limited-edition Bombshell Escape fragrance, a free-spirited take on the iconic Victoria's Secret scent. Dive into a vibrant blend of juicy guava, lush palms, and summer glow peony. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. 
I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome back. Behind the scenes of Inventing Anna. And episode two, even though it's early on in the series, is really sort of a gangbusters episode for all the characters, beautifully written by Matt Byrne. And there's this incredible moment between Neff and Rachel, that sort of standoff about visiting Anna in prison. And Rachel, of course, is sort of like, hey, I'm done with this drama. And you have that great speech where you address this idea of the purchase of a black woman. I mean, yes, she may have bought some of my clothes, but you, I mean, you let her buy you. She bought your time. She bought your... Say someone bought me again. Say it now. Come on. Try me. Step up here and discuss the purchase of this black woman because I am dying to correct your face. I got chills just saying those words. And I know they, and Matt said they came straight from Shonda, straight from her brain. I would love for you to talk about the meaningfulness of that scene in particular to Neff, but also the story at large. That moment was extraordinary, right upon impact, just reading it on the page. There's another moment, I think, that highlights the same thing, where um, Rachel and Anna are getting their hair done, and Neff is along for the ride. And Rachel was originally also just along for the ride, but then... Anna turns to Rachel, shows off her hair. Rachel says, I wish I could look like that. And Anna just looks at the woman and says, do her too. And suddenly Rachel hops into Anna's chair, throne, and has her hair done in the same fashion as Anna. And there's just no chance that in that salon, Neff is going to be able to be attended to or celebrated in that way. Um, Why is that? Black women... For a long time, the only chance that I was going to have to have my hair done in a salon like that was if I had it relaxed, if I had my curls, you know, basically pressed out. Um, the way you walk into the room already requires some kind of explanation if you want to be seen or have a seat at the table. You already are catching up. And Anna is dealing with that on some levels, but I think Neff also has a moment in episode five where she explains to Anna that there's a different kind of swimming upstream that Neff has had to do in her life. I want to be a director. Then what are you waiting for? <laughs> it's not that easy. For normal people, I need money and rent. Not takes time. Ugh. Bullshit. What does Casey say? Leap in a parachute to appear. Black girl from D.C. don't have a weight in parachute. No, not like you. Women like Anna have a bit of a life raft, and the current is designed to pull them along. Whereas for Neff, it's designed to keep her down and keep her drowning. And the energy that that takes is extraordinary. And communicating that in colorful language, I mean, Shonda just has so many 
graceful, beautiful, funny, heartbreaking ways of readdressing this idea of I am not who you think I am when I walk into the room and I have a story and the importance of being an archaeologist when you are listening to the story of others and asking questions and being curious about the depths of human underneath the skin. Wow, that was beautifully said. (laughs) That was really a gorgeous way of interpreting the text. Thank you. It's all in there. Shonda really does. And sometimes her language is just visual, the way that Neff and Anna can be sitting at the same table and you'll see that, you know, when Neff speaks, the air drops out a little bit and the temperature cools and people are a little taken aback that she even spoke. I assume that people might have thought Neff was Anna's assistant and why is she speaking out of turn and There's just so many ways that Shonda plays with this idea and shares it with us. So optics are everything. And and I think Anna, in her own way, is trying to destroy expectations. And certainly Neff, everything she does is about, I know you think you know what you're looking at, but you don't. Amen. Yeah. It's that above the desk, below the desk thing. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. It reminds me of that British show, Upstairs, Downstairs. It's the same idea of the workers and the elite, that constant divide between the two. And yet it's the workers who are creating the environment, the people who make these luxurious experiences. I mean, those are people who are then kept out of them. It's a it's a pretty complex dynamic. <laughs> it is, to say the least. Another theme that is prevalent throughout the entire show is boundaries and how each character struggles in his or her own way, whether it's Todd, Rachel, etc., struggling to set their own boundaries with Anna because she's someone who clearly has no concept of them. She's constantly pushing. She has no sense of how she's hurting people in the moment. And Neff herself certainly doesn't seem to have a problem with this in her work life. She tells her boss very curtly, I'm going on a break. (laughs) If you have an issue with Mm -hmm. this, not my problem. But with Anna, we do see her being tested in this way, that she's questioning her own instincts. At what point in the show do you think she starts to realize, oh, I'm starting to have boundary problems with this person? Mm. I think it begins at that dinner that they have. I think that's the first time that Neff's hairs really stand up. I don't like your tone. I'm just going to need a working card so I can close out this table. I want to see your manager. I am the manager. Why don't I get this? What? No, no, no. Neff, no. (laughs) It's here. I think until then, she's not just seen the cash, she's held it in her hands. She's brought it home to her apartment. She's seen the experiences. She's seen Anna carry herself in these rooms. She's seen the paperwork. I mean, she is behind the scenes looking at the evidence cold, hard in front of her. But there is that moment where, you know, suspicion is already bubbling in the hotel. And then Neff, for the first time, feels the anxiety of moving $200 from your savings account into your credit card and watching it leave you know, before you can even blink. I mean, it's a, it's a really disorienting feeling, especially for someone like Neff that is so careful and she has bills and student loans and she's not playing with her money. So just feeling that and, and how sort of out of body that experience is just starts to sort of disorient her in general. And then Neff, in her own way, kind of does her due diligence that some of these banks didn't do, which was she went to the records herself 
at her hotel, and she looked and saw that Anna had a six-digit outstanding balance. And that was enough for her, I think, to not necessarily place a permanent judgment on her, but to make the, I think, very intelligent decision to erect a boundary and to ask for space. Be straight with me. You're being so crazy and dramatic. Stop, right there. If you're a hustler, that's cool. Do your hustle. But leave me the fuck out of it. I have rent to pay. I have real life shit that I have to deal with. I have plans and I will not go down with you. Do you hear me? Handle your business. She has too much on the line. And again, she is swimming upstream. There's not going to be a rescue raft if Neff gets wrapped up in this for her, especially if we're talking about the authorities getting involved. I mean, she can't play like that. Right. Because again, she doesn't have the advantage that Anna has. That's right. I mean, in a lot of spaces, you know, Neff walks in and she's already a criminal. We talk about this a lot, you know, in the community. It's when you feel like you were born into a skin that is guilty upon arrival, you move through the world in a different way. And conning is not, there's, that opportunity is not there. Okay, everybody, we'll be right back, right after these messages. Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret. Pack your bags with just-arrived swim, cover-ups, corset tops, and other sexy silhouettes. When the sun goes down, opt for bold and blingy styles, like the made-to-be-seen Very Sexy Push-Up Bra from the Very Sexy Collection, in on-trend hues like Black Shine, Green, and Citron. For a glam statement, pair them with your favorite jeans and bring the heat. Because life is better in a bikini. Rewind to the future with the VS Archive Swim Collection, inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. For endless out-of-office options, mix and match with Victoria's Secret's wide range of bikini tops and bottoms that offer you every type of coverage, from full to cheeky to minimal. And now, in this season's must-have shades and patterns, add the finishing touch with the limited-edition Bombshell Escape fragrance, a free-spirited take on the iconic Victoria's Secret scent. Dive into a vibrant blend of juicy guava, lush palms, and summer glow peony. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. Thanks for sticking around. Now, back to the interview. So I would love to talk about episode five, which is called Checkout Time. It's Neff's episode. As you've said, each character has his or her own episode. And there are a couple moments I'd love for you to walk us through. First, one of my favorite moments is the interaction between Neff and her boyfriend, who, bless his heart, he's maybe doesn't say it in the smartest way, but he's telling her, like, this woman's scamming you, right? Right. And it's funny, you see her bristle. You say that hilarious line, idiot, you're from Santa Barbara. Like, what do you know about hustle, right? <laughs> check yourself. Uh-huh. Check, check yourself. But I think in that moment, and none of us ever wants someone close to us to tell us something about ourselves that we're either in denial about or just don't want to admit. So walk me through that scene. And to what degree was that a turning point for her? Yeah, I think it's a big deal. There's a stillness about that moment. You know, previously, she and her boyfriend are on the couch. They're kind of joking about the fire Festival mess. She's not even really engaged because she's counting her money from Anna. And so in contrast, this scene, she has just given $200 to Anna. She comes home 
And I think he's waiting up for her in a stillness that is different. There's a really different tone that they don't often share with one another. I, I think of them as having a pretty fast rapport. They're both pretty fast talking. And I think that that is striking to have someone really on the inside with her who's been encouraging to an extent, but like maybe she sort of brushed off his judgments before and this feels more almost like an intervention. Your fancy friend stuck you with a dinner bill you can't afford. And she got you so wrapped around her finger that you vouch for this bitch to your boss. And you still don't have her credit card. You've been had, hoodwinked, bamboozled. Boo, you're supposed to be riding this train to your film. I don't see no film and now you out of pocket. Later in the episode, there's a moment when she's lying in bed, she's up all night, the storm of confusion and hurt is sort of buzzing around her, keeping her from sleeping. And he confronts her again, and this time it really is personal. It's about how Anna might be an escape for Neff to not have to do the boots on the ground work in terms of bringing her film into this reality. It's not like you're doing anything. I finished my novel yesterday. You ain't even ask. People are making feature films on their phones now. Money is not your problem. You don't think you can do it. That's... Look, that Anna's chick might be crazy, but I agree with her on one thing. You want something, you have to do something about it. And it's excuse after excuse after excuse of why she can't be the engineer of her own art, why she can't be the captain of her own ship. And I think that really throws her into a space of reserve and just sort of like halt that we don't see that much from this go-go-go woman and I think it's a huge confrontation with herself. It's something I don't know that she was ready to hear, but it rings true in that spooky, scary way, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and none of us can blame Neff in that moment for wanting this life preserver that Anna's throwing out saying, hey, you don't have to keep working as hard as you've been working. It doesn't have to be this hard. I'm going to give you a little shortcut. I'm going to help you figure out ways to circumvent the system. I mean, none of us could resist that. I mean, it's just too tempting. And when it's been years and years of trying to get it done and you are exhausted from, again, trying to maintain this balance of work and life and relationship and your dream, and it feels like you are the only person who believes in you, this was a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to have real wind under her wings. So the potential of that suddenly being not there anymore on top of just the confrontation she's having of why can't I do this? You can't help but question yourself why it isn't working and what is it about me? And that I think is also in the design of the system is to infuse you with self-doubt so that you don't have the energy to push through. And so many people do and they're heroes to me and they're all over this country, this world but it is definitely not built for your success. Very true. And I always come back to Mindy Kaling's refrain of, why not me? Ugh. Why not me? And it's funny, I, I hear that in my head all the time, and I see that in this character, too. She has to keep tuning out the naysayers and just keep telling herself, why not me? Why not me? In a lot of ways, Anna, even though Anna thinks she's helping, she really does throw Neff off her game in a lot of ways. It's true. It's it's a bit distracting, you know, the glitz and the glamour. It feels good. And I think Neff 
enjoys being in the spaces because in some ways, maybe she's trying to soak up that validation like, okay, I'm here. I'm here. And not think so much about why or how or for how long, but just if I can just be in these spaces and I can like tell my body that I belong in these spaces and maybe I can make it true that way. But it's true. We start to see her sort of move from center a bit where she once had that sense of worth entirely from within herself. And she starts to sort of spiral away from that center point when Anna comes along. And then, of course, we have the great confrontation between the two when she finally says out loud, I have plans, I will not go down with you, handle your business. And it was almost like a parent-child interaction, this like discipline that she never wanted to have to exert over her friend. And you really do see Anna, one of the very few moments where Anna seems to have fear in her eyes. It's extraordinary, so well-written. And especially because I think it connects back to that other moment in the episode where the two of them are kind of lying in bed, it's 3 a.m., and they're kind of having this, like, girls' night, safe space, sleepover dream-a-thon. I'm really, really drunk, I think. <laughs> <laughs> and it's really sweet and just kind of born naturally out of the end-of-the-night energy. But they talk about family, and it's one of the only times in the series where you really hear Anna be vulnerable about her family and what their wishes for her were and how that impacted her to the point where she she slips and she speaks about how she didn't grow up with money and Neff sort of gently questions and then she she gets back on track. But I think that speaks so much to the uniqueness of their connection and how they were starting to feel like family to one another. They really have a sisterhood by the time we get to that place in the episode. So for your sister, which is, how they are to me at this point in the show to confront you and say, you're not doing it, sis, and you're not bringing me with you. It's time to grow up is extraordinary. I mean, Anna has no family around her at this point. And so the sister that she's now welcomed into her life has now started to turn a cold shoulder pretty abruptly on her it's love. It's a loss of love, I think, that we see in her eyes as much as fear. Mm. And we do feel empathy for Anna, even though she makes it very difficult. <laughs> she does. My goodness. And that's testament to Julia's performance and the writing. I'm just so thankful that this show treats her like a full human being because there's a lot of narratives out there about whether or not that's even true, if she's missing something. And I think she's fully there, which just raises the stakes and and makes us confront these dynamics within ourselves of having to play pretend. Right. Very true. And it's interesting, with all of this hurt and confusion on Neff's part, there are two milestone moments toward the end of the series where we still see this undying loyalty and love for Anna. The first moment, which I love, the minute the article is in Times Square and she's looking up and grabbing that guy, that's my girl, that's my girl. She's still excited for Anna <laughs> after everything Anna has put her through. And then, of course, walk us through the trial-style Instagram account and how those two sort of gushing moments for Neff indicate this undying love for this person who has caused her so much distress. Yes. I mean, I think that's family, you know, like when you've been going through it a little bit and Christmas was rough, but they get a new job, <laughs> you know, after the new year and you throw a party and 
it's that unconditional love of of someone who really sees all of you. And they really built that together in a short amount of time. So that's what that Times Square moment was all about for me. Just like, forget the past, girl, get it. <laughs> <laughs> like the way that they mirror each other, in some ways, seeing Anna's face up there is a, seeing a part of herself up there. And there's something affirming about that, too. So then when it's trial style time, it's complicated, but I think Neff gets the vision. She gets the dream. And on a family level, she wants to do anything to keep her sister out of prison. I mean, that's that's the place I was coming from at that time. And they can have fun while they do it, and they can celebrate themselves as artists while they do it, and they can connect on this safe space. And in, in some ways, it's a little bit sad because they're not really unpacking the hurt that they went through together and the way Neff felt fooled by someone that she trusted, but they can meet on this level where the two of them, you know, where their friendship first began, which is we love to tell our stories. We love the visual medium for telling our stories. I can help you do this. And then that's what they do. They start to craft this narrative and they treat the court scene like New York Fashion Week. And maybe that's also helpful for Neff. I mean, I always was thinking about what it would be like to be in these places of government authority and discipline and the justice system. And, you know, we, we see that moment in episode two where she's going to visit Anna. And I really, it felt like nightmarish to me. And I think being in the court space is not that different. And so they get to sort of reclaim the space and graffiti over the walls, metaphorically. <laughs> this is like the revenge of the 20-something woman, right? It's sort of like, okay, New York, you have your old court system, but we have Instagram. And we're going to throw you off your game, and we're going to make Anna the center of this circus. And it works. I mean, right. we see that all over the place now. I'm a huge supporter of the Sunrise Movement, and it's it's young people saying, okay, you've had your chance, but I want a future, and I want it now, and I'm not afraid to change the rules. You made the rules. Someone made them before you. This was This has all been created, and it can be recreated, and I see the power in that. And the two of them get to celebrate that and find a lot of joy in this dark moment, kind of like infiltrate joy into this dark moment. Like if we have to go through this, we may as well have some fun, right? Have some fun, <laughs> tell our stories and shake things up and, and say, you cannot control me. You can put me in a cage, but you cannot control the song I sing. And that's what they're doing. Hmm. I love that. And the last question, how do you think Anna has changed Neff's life and perception of herself for the duration? I think Neff will be, at least I am, really proud of the decisions that she made and the ways that she took care of herself and was sliding down the slope but sort of got her footing again and was able to keep a healthy distance but also support her friend. I mean, that's another incredibly difficult balance this person has caused me a lot of pain, but they need my help. And how can I take care of them? But first and foremost, take care of myself. And I really applaud Neff for her grace in doing so and how she continues to do so. On top of just the bravery of telling her story as truthfully as she did. I mean, she really, she shared her whole self with us. I think the Neff you see on screen is sort of a marriage of our friendship, the Neff I got to meet, the Neff on the page, and parts of Shonda, too. And I think, in general, it's it's a celebration of moving with empathy through the world, 
but never putting your own power in someone else's hands. Well, I can't think of a better way to end this conversation than with that. <laughs> so thank you so much, Alexis. The show was so lucky to have you play this part. Neff was so lucky to have you play this version of her. And I know wherever she is, she has to be very happy about this. So thank you so much for your time and congratulations. Thank you. Such a pleasure to talk with you. Really, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. Next week, we'll have the pleasure of dropping back in on Shonda Rhimes with the one and only Jessica Pressler. Jessica, of course, is the journalist who wrote the New York Magazine story that Shonda adapted into Inventing Anna. They're going to chat about their close collaboration on the series. You were a little bit reluctant when I was like, Vivian's going to be the, like a big part of the show. I remember you being like, okay. <laughs> That's, yeah, I definitely was like, okay, like... You think that now, but you're going to write her out of it later. <laughs> Not so much. If you're enjoying this show, subscribe, share with your friends, rate, and leave us a review. All of that good stuff. And if you haven't finished Shondaland's Inventing Anna on Netflix, please go do that. We really don't want to spoil it for you. Inventing Anna, the official podcast, is executive produced by Sandy Bailey, Lauren Homan, Tyler Klang, and Gabrielle Collins. Our producer and editor is Nicholas Harder, and the show is produced and hosted by me, Stacey Wilson-Hunt. Inventing Anna, the official podcast, is a production of Shondaland Audio in partnership with iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from Shondaland Audio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.